Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, our weekly look at what's going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and weird animal facts. We're, uh, we're here to give you that news and, and also to get that news from you as this is a partially crowdsourced uh, episode every week. So if you see anything that you think is zoo news worthy, you can go ahead and tag me in that at Ross Safari on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter or at Ross Safari pod on TikTok. And of course, make sure you hit, you know, subscribe, follow or whatever on all of those things, as well as on the podcast feed. Of course. And yeah, that's your funky little introduction to what we do. It wasn't really all that funky, but that's okay. So uh, I got a couple things to tell you here. First of all, recently I have been taking some time at the beginning of each Zoo News episode to tell you when I'm recording it because sometimes I have to record early in the week and then I don't want you all to think like I missed something or if you sent me stories, you know, your name wasn't said or whatever, that, that could be why. And um, also just, you know, because I like telling you what's going on in my world. Well, this week, not a whole heck of a lot has been going on in my world. I uh, I beat the latest Pokemon game, and I have lounged a lot, and I have played some drums and just kind of been chilling, um, which is why I'm here to tell you that I am recording this on Thursday at 10 p.m. Now, a little hint. This comes out Friday at midnight, meaning two hours from now. <laughs> Whoops. Um, but in all of my relaxing, I totally lost track of what day it was. And I was actually on the phone with my parents uh, earlier today. And I was like, hey, what day is it? And got really panicky. Um, actually, that's not true. I have the utmost confidence in my ability to get this out and have it be awesome in less than two hours. And also, you know, my deadline is a self-imposed deadline, but I, I still like to meet it. I think that's a good thing. So, uh, yeah. So um, it's, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the pod before, but this is a thing in my world. I almost never know what day it is, which is crazy since, you know, I have show schedules and such normally, but normally we are told the day of or the day before what our schedule for the next day is going to be. And I just kind of know, oh, okay tomorrow's two shows or oh tomorrow's one show or a day off so um yeah i i would say that for a dude who at any given time has a macbook an ipad an iphone an apple watch that are all just sitting there with the date on the display i would say that i'm pretty pathetically bad at knowing what day it is and um today is apparently thursday and um i now have uh one hour and 57 minutes to get this uh, live. So yay that. Uh, one other fun little thing that I want to tell you um, before we get to the news stories this week, although it's kind of a zoo news story, but first a commercial. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. Did that work? Did I successfully build tension or suspense for what I'm about to tell you? Was it like a cliffhanger at the end of a, a season of a television show or the end of a movie or something? No? Well, that's okay. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to tell you is that last week I mentioned to you that uh, Secrets of the Zoo is now out for its fifth season. Um and it is on the National Geographic channel and also on Disney Plus in their Nat Geo section. And actually, uh, on Disney Plus, they released the entire season when they put out the first episode. So even though if you're watching on TV, you can now have only seen two episodes of the season, you can go and binge the entire season right now on Disney Plus. And that is not the exciting thing that I am here to tell you, although it's a pretty exciting thing. Um, as a matter of fact, episode five, if I remember correctly, has uh, Bandit and Santi, the red panda cubs at Columbus, when they are little cubs, right around the time that I first met them. And it's really adorable, and it's awesome to see them, and to see Cora, and to see our good friend and former guest Christy Nuss uh, talking about them and everything, and um, it's just awesome. And that is also not the exciting thing that I'm going to tell you about it. In fact, the exciting thing I'm going to tell you about it is after this commercial. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Is that Zoe is in this season of Secrets of the Zoo. I was hoping this would be the case and I wasn't really sure. And uh, she doesn't have like a speaking role or anything like that. But this was filmed while Zoe was the veterinary extern at the Columbus Zoo, working with all of those awesome people like Dr. Randy and Dr. Priya and all of those people that are so cool on the show. And she was there and she was doing the thing as they were filming. And now when you watch these episodes, you can see Zoe popping up all over. As a matter of fact, she is also in with uh, Cora and Bandit and Santi and Christy. And, and, and there are just all these people I love all together. And by people, I mean, you know, people and red pandas. But really, if anything... It's more of an insult to the pandas to call them people. Uh, but yeah, they're all there and you can you can see Zoe doing the vet thing and wearing scrubs and being cool. It's it's really exciting and I'm really proud of her. So, uh, yeah, cool. All right. Enough about this. Let's get to the news. One, two, three, four. Ow, there's a funky monkey. Treat kangaroo. Or a binturong. It's Zoo News. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start off Zoo News this week by talking about stuff going viral on the internet, because this has been a weird week for zoos and the internet, y'all. 
Um, this first part actually comes from kind of later last week, but uh, the Detroit Zoo actually went viral because uh, one of their gorillas was photographed interacting with a groundhog that uh, lives in the area and had burrowed up into the gorilla exhibit. And uh, I know what you're thinking, which is, oh, yikes. But the the cuteness of this is that um, the gorilla not only was interested, but actually um, started stroking the groundhog on the back, kind of petting it very gently and, and very, you know, seemed to be very lovingly or, you know, at least showing interest. I don't want to anthropomorphize too much. But it's really kind of adorable. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I think it's cool that somebody captured it and it went viral and the Detroit Zoo actually posted it. And um, it's just a cool moment showing some neat interspecies interaction. Now, that being said, I'm going to go down a different road talking about viral zoo stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 been it's been a journey this week y'all so yeah let's talk about some things that went viral that were kind of annoying or worse this week first of all the detroit zoo has come under fire because uh a person posted a bunch of photos of their animals lying down and sleeping heaven forbid right um and so uh, the post, it just says, all I'm saying is don't take your kids to the Detroit Zoo. They got the most laziest animals around. And uh, people made this go viral and started commenting and putting up crying emojis and saying that animals in the wild would never be laying around sleeping like that. And just all the dumb stuff that people do and think and say and for some reason want to believe that they understand animals when they don't but um yeah it just it just sucks it just sucks that the detroit zoo is now spending time defending themselves and zookeepers feel attacked and even just you know people i mean I try to stay out of the comment sections of most things, but people who have an interest in supporting zoos like me, like you, if you're listening to this, most likely are now diving in there and, and having these conversations and, um, getting frustrated and insulted and made fun of and all of this stuff just because a person went to the zoo and was mad that the animals wouldn't get up and perform for them. And somehow it went viral. And they're not the only zoo answering questions about a stupid viral thing this week. Both the National Zoo and the Virginia Zoo have been fielding tweets and calls and all kinds of different modes of annoying communication because somebody took a picture of a raccoon standing on stairs in D.C. and sent them a tweet saying, hey, at National Zoo, are you missing any red pandas? Because I think I found one. Now, I'm looking at the picture right now, and I'm not going to lie, it totally looks like a red panda. But what you have to understand is that it is a nighttime photo. It is blurry AF. And uh, right above the animal is a huge light that is orange and giving off orange light. 
And if you bathe a raccoon in orange light and make it blurry, guess what it looks like? You guessed it, a red panda. Good guess, y'all. So um, I think this was done as a joke. I need to come out and say right now, I 100% do not think that the person who sent this initial tweet was being a jerk. I think they were making a joke. I could see me making a similar joke, only I'm smart enough to not, you know, accuse a zoo of losing an animal. However, the tweet went viral and people started reaching out to the National Zoo, some concerned and some uh, annoyed, saying that, you know, oh, this was a problem and they, they lost a red panda and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, other people, knowing that a few years ago the Virginia Zoo did lose a red panda named Sunny, thought, oh my goodness, this must be Sunny who has traveled all the way up from kind of southern Virginia to... Uh, to Washington, D.C., where uh, Sonny is now living in the city, I suppose, um, and and started contacting the Virginia Zoo. And again, I believe that a lot of these people were doing this to help. I mean, heaven knows. I wish it was Sonny. That would be the coolest story just ever. But it's not. It's a raccoon. And, you know, I just thought it was so interesting that now here are two more zoos, just like the Detroit Zoo, that are just forced to deal with um, stuff that they don't really have time for because of stupid viral things. And then fortunately, this last one hasn't actually gone viral. And uh, if you go seeking it out, you're not going to be able to find it because it's being dealt with very effectively. But um, y'all know our good friend, Danny Poirier Larson, who is the mother of birds at Southwick's Zoo. Well, along with being the mother of birds, she is also the person who runs their TikTok. And it turns out that a person has decided to harass the Southwick's Zoo TikTok. Now, I'm not quite sure why uh, or really who this person is. They keep making new identities that uh, disparage Southwick's Zoo even in the name, and they just start putting up comments on every video that Southwick's has posted insulting the zoo, you know, saying horrible stuff. I'm not going to repeat any of them, except I'll tell you this one. They they definitely claim in one of their posts that... um. Southwick's zoo zookeepers beat the elephants at the zoo. Spoiler alert for those of you who have not been to Southwick's, there are no elephants at Southwick's zoo. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, because, you know, I feel like people don't realize, like, oh, you know, this is probably somebody who considers themselves an animal rights activist who thinks they're doing something cool, or maybe they're just some dumb punk who thinks this is funny. But, you know, Danny, the person behind the account, is a real person. She has, like, emotions and stuff. She's also a new mom and a boss and a zookeeper and a color guard instructor and a wife. And she has a life. She has stuff to do. And now she's in there having to block this person as they keep doing stuff. She sees the comments. She reads them. She's a little scared, you know, and that's not right. And she's not scared of a person being a cyber bully or anything like that. But look, we all know what's going on in this country right now. We all know that there have been two mass shootings recently. You don't know what this person is. This is uh, this is not OK. This is not torturing some mindless zoo. This is going to a person who anyone who has ever listened to this podcast knows 
is just a beautiful soul and just a good, thoughtful person who is really working hard to find amazing balance in her life right now. And yeah, is the fact that she's one of my favorite people in the world, someone who I truly, truly love, um, making me a little more pissed off about this? Oh, Hell yeah. But I promise you that if a zookeeper had sent me this and was not someone close to me, I would still be livid and still put it in zoo news. This kind of thing happens. I'm actually amazed that I don't get more of this with my constant support of zoos. I've, I've gotten some, but nothing to this extent. Um, yeah, and it's just it's just been such a weird week for the Internet and zoos that I just I couldn't help but start off zoo news with it this week. So, uh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try to keep you guys posted on what happens with the Southwick stuff. Hopefully, it just goes away, and uh, all of this just kind of fades into the the background noise of the uh, anti captivity movement. And you know, um, I am going to go on to the next topic here, but it's a nice transition because you know part of what bugs me about the anti captivity movement so much is just that it is not rooted in science at all, and we keep having more science that proves that zoos well that good zoos, I always need to clarify that, uh, take amazing care of animals and also have a huge impact. And there was a recent study done, uh, not about, you know, the animal care side of things, but about whether interactive educational animal experiences change children's attitudes towards wildlife. And the study, which was uh, published in Zoo Biology, discovered that both affiliation with local wildlife and willingness to live near local wildlife increased after animal programs were uh, undertaken by children, and that seeing animals improved children's attitudes towards the animals, both for the species that were present and even for other animal species. And uh, at the end, they concluded that animal ambassadors can be effective tools in conservation education. Now, I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty here. Y'all can look this up online if you want to. Um, the author is Jaeger et al. And this is a brand new paper. But uh, it's just really cool that there's another study out there showing that like zoos are doing good stuff. So uh, yay, zoos. And I love how all these stories are tying together this week. Um, the National Aquarium uh, recently announced that their team believes having conversations with guests about environmental issues creates lasting change. And as such, they actually were able to log how many conversations they had with guests and what some of the topics were. And so they announced that in 2021, the team at the aquarium logged over 1.6 million conversations with guests at the aquarium, with nearly 19,000 of them being about climate change, around 20,000 of them about plastics, and over 63,000 conversations about wildlife. Now that's how you inspire conservation. And another thing that makes zoos awesome, y'all, I'm fired up, I'm sorry, but hey, we getting these stories out there and that's all that matters. But yeah, another thing that makes zoos awesome, especially the Detroit Zoo in this case, is that animals that live there tend to outlive their life expectancy by a lot. And that was the case of Chesley, the oldest living giant anteater in a zoo accredited by the AZA, who recently did pass away at the Detroit Zoo. Chesley was 26 years old at the time of her passing. 
In the wild, a giant anteater can be expected to live around 14 years, so this was almost double that, which is just amazing. Betsy Meister, the associate curator of mammals at the Detroit Zoo, who cared for Chesley, had the following to say. Chesley, or Mama Chess as she was affectionately known, was a great companion to several other anteaters, including her daughter, Rhea, and Bissell, her great-granddaughter. She often enjoyed taking naps in the sunshine and tearing apart one of her favorite treats, an avocado, with her front claws. As her species name suggests, Chesley also enjoyed digging up ants and other insects she could find in her outdoor habitat. Chesley will be greatly missed by the staff, and uh, we send all of our love to the team for their loss, but also for giving Chesley such an incredible long life, even if she did like to nap, which actually is a good thing. All right, so here's an update on a story we've been following for a while, the uh, story of the Johnson Park animals in New Jersey. The zoo is being closed, as y'all have heard, and, and that is finally happening after all of the delays and everything, and many of the animals are being moved out. This is really good news. Uh, in this case, some of the animals, including Jimi Hendrix, the eight-year-old red fox, Bonnie and Clyde, the sibling four-year-old raccoons, and Gramps, the elderly raccoon, have moved on to the last resort wildlife refuge. Now, there is a real chance that all of these animals that I just mentioned would have been euthanized if not for the fact that the last resort wildlife refuge stepped in which I guess makes sense with their name being Last Resort and all of that. Uh, but this was unexpected and is more animals than they were ready to take on financially. So they are now asking for donations. Um, these donations will go towards the cost of their enclosures, vetting, food, long-term care, and enrichment. Donations can be made by going to the Last Resort Wildlife Refuge on Facebook, or you can Venmo at The Last Resort Rescue, PayPal at The Last Resort Rescue at gmail.com, or send it by mail. And I'll put that in the show notes because I know you're not writing down an address right now. But please consider helping this amazing rescue that uh, has stepped up and helped save more of the Johnson Park animals. It's such a great success story. Wow, y'all, we are almost 23 minutes into this episode and uh i still have whew, so many more zoo stories i'm gonna i'm gonna cut to conservation news here in a minute though because i want to make sure we at least get some of that in and uh goodness this has been a very newsworthy week for zoos and, and aquariums um but the last story i wanted to share is one of those that i love because of course it is a zoo doing conservation work, which is, you know, the thing that bleeds into the next thing, which I love. And uh, I just I need to, to point this out yet again. Here we are with a red wolf story. This might be the fifth or sixth week in a row. I don't know, but I'm pretty excited about it. Zoo Tampa has announced the birth of four critically endangered red wolves, three females and one male. This is really exciting news. They are the world's most endangered canids, as you know, and there are fewer than 20 in the wild right now in North Carolina. It's nice to be back to a positive Red Wolf news story after uh, last week's negative one. And that brings us to... Stereotypical animal 
best theme song. Here to bring you to conservation news. There is currently a bill working its way through the United States Congress, which is shocking in and of itself, uh, that is known as Recovering America's Wildlife Act. This bill would provide $1.4 billion annually to states, territories, and tribes for proactive conservation of wildlife, helping to restore their populations and ensure the longevity of American wildlife. A big part of this bill is that it would work with the Endangered Species Act. Now, the Endangered Species Act has already helped to significantly increase populations of endangered animals, including uh, sea turtles in the U.S. waters, which we love. Uh, But a big part of the Recovering America's Wildlife Act is that... They're going to encourage these various groups to work on conservation of non-endangered species so as to ensure the populations of vulnerable species don't decline to the point of being endangered. Hopefully this gets through Congress and uh, gets signed into law because this would be really, really exciting for vulnerable species in the U.S. And for species that could eventually become vulnerable. And for humans. And uh, hey, y'all remember our good friends at the Gibbon Conservation Center? Uh, If not, there's a recent episode that you really need to listen to because they're awesome. Um, But anyway, the Gibbon Conservation Center is currently doing a donor match. In order to accomplish this goal, they need 100 new members at the center uh, between now and June 30th. The challenge has been running for about a week so far, and um, they already have 36 new members of the 100 that they need, but that's still a long way to go. So if you are able, please consider becoming a member of the Gibbon Conservation Center, and you can find out more information by going to their social media pages at Gibbon Conservation Center. The Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute recently announced the birth of some new black-footed ferret kits. The first litter was born back in April 20th, and since, two additional litters have been born, making a total of 12 surviving kits that have been born this year so far, with more maybe to come. And they are adorable, and um, there is the hope that some of them will be used for breeding, and some of them will be released back out in Wyoming as part of the Black-Footed Ferret release program that is going on and we've talked about on here a lot. So yay, Smithsonian. Good job, friends. And now for uh, the latest in our stories about drones being used for conservation, it turns out that walruses are wildly skittish animals, uh, especially in the wild. And as such, it's really hard to do population studies of them because uh, they get scared of things like planes or, you know, humans showing up with measuring tapes and such. So it's really hard to get a feel for exactly how large the population is and also what's going on with the animals in said population. Now, it's obviously important to get records on this stuff, both to understand how they're doing in the wild, what their health is like, and and also just to know the numbers. Because uh, even though walruses are not endangered yet, it's hard to know whether any species ever should be considered endangered or vulnerable or what if we don't know how many are out there. So, 
scientists have started using drones with really good cameras to fly really high and take population studies of walruses. Uh, this is working really, really well, is definitely less expensive, and also is safer than having human pilots try to fly above and do the counting and everything. And uh, as far as the scientists can tell, the walruses don't seem to know that the drones are there because they're up so high and they're so small and quiet. So this is just working out for everyone. Now, the coolest part about this, to me, is that um, the people who are doing this study are also working with captive walruses at zoos and aquariums throughout North America to be able to figure out how to calibrate their measurements from the photos taken by drone uh, in the wild to the actual sizes of these walruses because they're able to do that with the captive walruses where they know all of this information because those guys aren't skittish. Uh, remember Erica Allen at uh, the Indy Zoo? Yeah, their team's going to be involved in all of this. So another great example of zoos helping out with conservation and just sharing information and just being awesome. I just, I love these stories so much. And that brings us to... All right, just one quick other news story for y'all this week, uh, which is to warn you that a one-year-old spayed female rabbit tested positive for rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus type 2 in Cape May County in New Jersey this week. The disease, which is known as RHDV2, although that's not really much easier to say, uh, is a foreign animal disease caused by multiple virus strains. It is highly contagious and can be fatal to both domestic and wild rabbits. Uh, the good news is it is not able to be transmitted to humans or to other animals as far as we know right now. Uh, but this is one of those things that could become a big outbreak in the rabbit population. So if you own pet rabbits or if you are friends with someone who owns pet rabbits, or if you work for a wildlife rehab or anything like that, please be careful and take the steps to mitigate this disease. Do not let indoor rabbits outdoors, stuff like that. Just be careful and keep an eye on any new news about it, and I will make sure to share more here if there is more news to share. Oh, animal, animal, animal holidays, animal, animal, animal holidays, hey! All right, and that brings us to your animal holidays for the week. We are wrapping up the month of May and heading into the month of June. And y'all should be proud of me because I didn't even have to flip the calendar to know that one. So with this being May still, we are looking at the end of National Lake Cleanup Month and National Duckling Month. So we're going to start with uh, this week's holidays on Saturday the 28th, which is Whooping Crane Day and World Dugong Day. I'd like to point out that, you know, just the day before there was nothing, but now we've got two. Nope, not just two. There's another one. The most important day of the week is Tree Kangaroo Day, which is also Saturday the 28th. Yay! Y'all know how much I love tree kangaroos, and I'm so excited for their big day. Also, I find it 
kind of interesting that World Turtle Day, World Binturong Day, and Tree Kangaroo Day are all in May when they are three of my four favorite species. Weird. Anyway, Sunday the 29th starts Black Birders Week, and then on Monday the 30th we've got World Sea Lion Day, and we end the month on Tuesday the 31st with World Parrot Day. Now that brings us to June. June is Zoo and Aquarium Month, and both Orca Month and World Oceans Month, which makes sense since orcas live in the ocean. Then, uh, as I mentioned, this week is still Blackbirders Week. And then on Wednesday the 1st, you've got Dinosaur Day and World Reef Day. And uh, those are your animal holidays for the week, most notably Tree Kangaroo Day. Woo! All right. Well, that does it for the week. And I'm super proud of that fact because I got this episode done in about an hour. And I have to tell y'all, that is is pretty close to record time. But that means it's going to be out on time. And I'm, I'm pretty, pretty proud of that fact. All right. So don't forget, like I mentioned, you can uh, send me things in all the ways I said at the top of the show. And then you'll get to hear your name at the end of the episode like these people are about to. <clears throat> I would like to thank everybody who contributed stories this week, including Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Kristen Khalil, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Emily Rockbuck, Liz Dunlevy, Crystal Chapman, Jacob Newman, and Danny Poirier Larson. And y'all, I got so many stories this week, I feel like we only touched on like half of what I got, but you know, an episode is around a half hour long for this. So, um, Thank you so much for contributing, and if you didn't hear your story this week, don't worry. I keep them all on file, and you'll probably hear a bunch of them next week. Uh, so yeah, thank you for contributing and for being such an awesome team that I get to actually pick and choose stories each week. I remember when I was scrambling to find enough to fill a half hour, so y'all are awesome. Thank you so much. And also thanks to Lara Shank, my Red Panda level patron. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the bonus episode I put out there for you and my other patrons. And don't worry, there's more cool audio stuff coming soon. Promise. All right, y'all. So Make sure you're back here on Tuesday. We'll be heading back to Adventure Aquarium to kick off Sea Turtle Awareness Month. And unlike the last time I said that on Zoo News and then it turned out I was wrong, this time I'm not wrong. Probably. So tune in on Tuesday to find out if I'm wrong or not. And remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.